You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com connect. Now, here's Pastor Rick or another member of our team with this week's message. Okay, so why do you preach this sermon every single year? Now, it's a different sermon, okay, when I say this sermon. I mean this, this subject every single year. Why is it that you do this, Pastor? I promise you it's not to make my wife uncomfortable on the front row, okay? It's, I promise you it's not for that, all right? Let me give you five reasons why, and, uh, and these, aren't, these aren't just to defend me doing this today. This is for you to understand why we preach it. Here's the, here's the first one, okay? The first reason is our culture is clueless on sex. I know you're probably thinking, <laughs> no, they, th- they know a lot about it, No. That's not what I'm talking about. They think they know a lot about it. But if you think about, now, now think about culture, okay, uh, and we kind of think of culture as being all that out there. No, we're part of the culture. And sometimes we're not part of the solution. Amen? So, but we need to be. The way we, I'm talking about our, our culture this day, the way we live out what we believe about sex. Not saying what we say we believe, but the way we live it out, we are clueless about it. I, I'm saying, you know, we... We know, you know, and, and like I've already told you, I'm going to be PG here, okay? So you're going to have to read between the lines when I'm saying some of this, all right? We know some of the mechanics, right? But we don't know all the what. We don't act like we know the why. We don't act like we know the when. We don't act like we know the where. We don't act like we know the how. We're missing. It's really, if you look at it, I'd say we know about 20, maybe less 20, than 20% of what it's really all about, okay? I, I, let me go on. Here's the, here's the next one right here. Too often, the only people talking about sex are the wrong people. Amen? Amen. Anybody see the halftime show last week, Super Bowl? You know, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I was sitting there, and my nine-year-old grandson was sitting close enough to me that, ooh, I had to find that fast-forward button in a hurry. You know, I, I, had to, I had to speed through that really, really quick. I saw just enough as it was, you know, flipping on by. And uh, all the comments that you guys made to realize that, you know, there again, the people who are talking or displaying or exemplifying what sex means in our culture today are often the wrong people that we're listening to. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild, but whoever obeys the law is joyful. You may have heard it this way, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, where there, where, there is no, where, there, where there is no direction from God, when there is no divine guidance, people cast off restraints and they do their own thing. They do whatever feels right or feels good. Now, can we think again about that halftime show last week? They do what feels good. They do what just seems best. And so when the church isn't speaking about it, then only the, the people who uh, have cast off their restraint. Only the people who, who uh, run wild are the ones talking about sex. And so that's why the church must, absolutely must, talk about sex. Number three, here's third reason. Because we humans resist hearing truth that goes against our grain. Amen or oh me. We resist hearing truth that goes against our grain. Now, uh, I saw this article, and this is, this is not a, a Christian article. This is uh, from a professor at Wake Forest University. And the title of the, of the article is, Humans are Hardwired to Dismiss Facts that Don't Fit Their Worldview. That we, you know, the, the, the automatic response when someone challenges us is like, uh-uh. Our, our, our automatic response isn't, 
explain this to me. Our automatic response is, I reject that. We reject it. We resist it. When, when it doesn't line up with what, with what we believe, what we say, or maybe the way we're acting, we reject that. And here's the fourth one. Fourth reason is because we have reduced the true beauty of sexuality to a pure copy of its original design. The sexuality is not something that we came up with. It's not something that has evolved over time. If you believe God created man and woman, then you also have to believe God created sex. And he created it to be something beautiful, something amazing, something wonderful, but we have reduced it to a poor, and I'd say dirty, image of the original design. And here's the fifth reason, because this year in 2020, at 2911, we aren't talking about what we can get by with. We're not saying, Pastor, tell me enough. Let's dig into the scripture just enough to find out how we can have okay marriages, how we can have okay lives, how we can have okay homes and houses and, 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 and everything. We are talking about the dream. We're digging in to find out what's best. We're, we want to know what's amazing. We want to know what's fulfilling. That's what we've decided is we're going we're gonna to search out what's going to help us live the dream starting here and right now. So, so that's why we're preaching on this is because a lot of people in, in their lives, in their sex lives, they're just kind of getting by. They're, they're just kind of dealing with stuff. Things are just kind of happening and they just kind of accept it and go on instead of saying, wait a minute, what is best, what is amazing, and what is fulfilling? So those are the reasons why... I preach this message every single year. All right, so normally I would, I would begin with what the Bible says. Today I want to begin with what the church says about sex. All right, I ran across an, another article, and this was not too long ago. Here, here's the title of this article. Church of England affirms sex is only for heterosexual marriage. Here's my question. Why is that a headline? Why is that news that the church affirms or, or that sex is only for heterosexual marriage. Why is that news today? But think about it. In the world you and I live in today, that's news. That the world is saying, Wait, what, what? You know, is, is the church trying to take sex away from all of this? Because, think, man, if you think that, if that's true, you know, that, then that rules out hooking up. That rules out teens fooling around. That rules out, uh, you know, going behind your spouse's back. That rules out alternative lifestyles. How narrow-minded those people must be in the Church of England, right? That's what the world is looking at. That's why when, when they see that, that wow, you, you mean the church is trying to... No, no, here, here's the thing. Is, it, is if this was just something that has evolved, if sex was something that just evolved over time, something that you and I came up with, I'm talking about humans, came up with, and it's something that, that, that we just somehow folded into our lives, then, yeah, that would, be a, that, that would be a headline because it would be like now the church is trying to take control. But what if, what if sex was something that was created by God and designed for exactly that? One man and one woman together for life. And if that's what it is, then that's not a headline. That is just a reaffirmation of what it was all about in the first place. You say, but what happens is, we, we, you remember one of those reasons that we have to teach this stuff over and over and over? 
is because we resist hearing it if it doesn't line up. Paul, Paul talked about this a little bit, and he wasn't talking about just sex. He was talking about everything, about how what he was preaching, what he was teaching, his example that he was living before people, that, that some people were accepting it and saying, man, this is great, and some people were rejecting it. Okay, take me to that scripture. Let's read it together. He says, our lives, like our example that we are living, our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. To those who, to those who uh, are embracing this life, we're like, they just smell more and more life when they smell our fragrance and when they smell what, what this perfume is that is going up to God. But for those who are rejecting it, for those who, who, who are embracing a, a life of doom, choosing their own way that is against God's way, we're a fragrance of, of death and doom. He says, this, this quote right, right here, then, wrap this up right here. Truth is perceived differently by those who are being made free by the truth and those who reject the truth. You see, and then, so that, let, let, me, let me say this as a caution to you. That whenever you have your truth challenged, especially by the Word of God, if your truth is challenged by the Word of God and it makes you bow up and say, wait a minute now, and it's by the Word of God, that should be a warning sign to you. Because when, when we are embracing the truth and allowing the truth to make us free, then we embrace all truth. Even, even when, let me tell you something, just because you embrace the truth and the truth is making you free doesn't mean it doesn't hurt every once in a while. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it cuts you a little bit. Sometimes it's not comfortable. Sometimes it, it doesn't make me happy because God's showing me something that I've been ignoring is in my life and I've got to get out of my life and it doesn't feel good. But when I am embracing the truth so that the truth can make me free, then, I, then I, I continually embrace the truth. But if I don't, if I'm rejecting the truth, then to me it feels like death. It feels like doom. I don't want to hear it. I reject it. I resist it. I stand against it. I say, wait a minute, that's not for me. And we have to be careful. Let this be a warning sign to us. Let this be, a, let this be a, 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 an alarm that goes off, when, especially with the Word of God. When we have something in our life challenged and we immediately resist it and say, wait a minute, there's, there's some truth right here. Let us make sure. Because, because he is the truth. <laughs> so he's not scared of truth. So you don't have to be scared of truth either. Let us embrace the truth. So, see, that's what the church says. It's more importantly what, what God says, right? It's more important what God says. And, and if that's what the church says, and it's because it's what God says, then that's really what matters, okay? So, what does God say about sex? He says a whole lot about sex, okay? And I don't have time to give you all the scriptures, and, and um, because of where we're going with this, 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 this time that we're going through this message, uh, I, I put a lot of them in those connect page notes, the, the sermon notes on the connect page that Christian was talking about just a few moments ago. Put, put a lot of them there so that you can look at them later, okay? And uh, we can study them this week and those things. Okay, so, so the Bible says a whole lot. Let me just take you to one passage of Scripture about sex, okay? And uh, when you read it in a hurry, you think, well, this is just about marriage. But no, it's, it's about sex and marriage because that's how God in His Word 
couches this whole thing together, okay? So this is Jesus speaking in Mark chapter 10, verse 6 through 9. But God made them male and female from the beginning of creation. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let us not split apart what God has joined together. And you've heard many times at weddings, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. You know, in that old King James uh, way of saying that, right? Okay, so Jesus is speaking here, and you notice there's a couple of phrases there that are in quotes, right? Why? Because he's quoting something from previous scripture. He's actually quoting here in Mark chapter 10, he's quoting from Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. All the way back to Genesis. Y'all know where Genesis is in the Bible, right? It's that first book. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's a, an easy Jeopardy question, right? Everybody knows Genesis is the first, it's the first book of the Bible, right? We, I mean, we've heard that all our life. We know that kind of a thing. Okay, so Jesus is quoting all the way back from chapter 2 of the Bible, the second chapter where it says this. So he says, first of all, God made them male and female. So he's quoting all the way back to that. And he says, this was from the beginning. And then he says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Okay. When we study the rest of the New Testament, and we hear what Jesus says, and, and more often we hear what Paul says about this whole kind of thing, and there's a specific passage in, in 1 Corinthians, and uh, the link is there in the sermon notes on that as well, so uh, if, if you'll go there, you can see this. When, when we study this, this little thing about is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one, and there's, a, and there's an inference there that it's a fleshly thing. But Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he doesn't leave it as an inference. He makes sure we understand. All right? And I'm going to be PG right here, okay? So you read between the lines, okay, if you have to. All right? But what he says right here is that when you hook up, God sees you as hooked up for good. That, 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 that's what this is all about. This is about the two being united. And this is a, a flesh thing, okay? It's not just about, oh, you guys went and set up house. You co-signed on a loan together. That's not what he's talking about. What he is talking about is this. Some of you have heard a word, don't hear it around a lot these days. You ever heard this word consummation? Consummate a marriage? You know, what, you, know, you know where that comes from? That comes from this whole doctrine of what marriage is. That sex is not something that's over here. Sex is a part of marriage. It was actually the act. I mean, as, as we look in the scriptures, we see this is what God recognizes, that when this happens, God says, you're united with this. And you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and Paul talks about that. And he talks about we shouldn't do this with, with, with others because if we do, then now we're united with them instead of the one we're supposed to be united with. And, and, and Jesus, then he goes on beyond this and says, when this happens, when this, this consummation happens, when marriage happens, when God acknowledges that this is marriage, then Jesus goes on and he says, since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. And so we're not just talking about the marriage. We're not talking about just divorce. We're talking about sex here. It's, it's, don't split this up. Once this begins, once this has happened, once you have come together as one in flesh, Jesus said, don't let anyone split that up, don't, not even you and I think sometimes we read that as, as don't let someone else come in and destroy the marriage. Don't even, you don't even destroy your own marriage. Or you don't even take, take this beautiful thing that God has gifted into your marriage, this, this sexual gift that God has given to you into your marriage, don't take that into some, other, into some other relationship somewhere else. This is what the Bible says about sex and about marriage. Okay? But you know what? It's really, really interting to me. It's how over the, just the past 
the past few years, probably in my lifetime, even though I was too young to really see most of it going on in, early in my lifetime, we've had what and a lot of people called it the sexual revolution, right? And it was a time where, as Proverbs tried to, to teach us, it was a time where we cast off restraint. Our world cast off restraint, especially our culture here in the United States of America. We cast off restraint, and we began running wild. And we began running wild. But you know what has happened over the last few years? It's really, really interesting to me. Let, let's talk about what secular studies are saying now, okay? I, I, got, a, I got a quote right here from uh, Douglas LeBeer. He says, so just having sex in the absence of a thriving relationship is unlikely to be very pleasurable. Okay, now I know I got to stop right there because some of y'all are saying, I don't know about that. Because you know, some of y'all are saying, now, I don't know, there's a lot of people out there having a whole lot of pleasure these days or whatever. No, stay with me here for just a second, okay? He says, in, in the absence of thriving relationship, it is unlikely to be very pleasurable, nor will it translate into increased marital satisfaction over time. Actually, it could diminish it when there is sex without a thriving relationship with it. It can actually diminish the satisfaction and the pleasure that is in the actual act of sex. Now, again, let me, let me make sure you get what I, what I said just a few moments ago. This is not a theologian talking here. This is not a pastor that is talking here. This was not someone's sermon. This is not a point from someone's sermon. This is a guy who is a psychologist, and this is how he builds himself. He is a psychologist and a psychotherapist, okay? And from what I can read about him, he's pretty liberal. He's not a conservative, Bible-thumping guy, okay? He, he, does, he doesn't attend uh, the Southern Baptist down the street, okay? He's not, he's not an evangelical, Bible-thumping pastor or, or even just a church member. He is a psychologist and a psychotherapist. And, and what does he say? He says, we're doing it wrong. That's what he says. So how is it that we can do it right? Well, he, he, he goes on. Let's go. He goes on and he says, a sustaining, energized sexual relationship is a product of an integration of multiple facets. Okay, now, now you're saying, yeah, that sounds like some professor or something, right? You know, we're talking about sex and it doesn't sound like sex at all. It doesn't sound romantic at all, does it? A sustaining, energized sexual relationship is a product of an integration of multiple facets. Okay, what is he saying here? He's saying it grows over time. The sexual relationship grows over time from, from being in sync with each other's values and outlook, your desires and your fears about your journey together, your life goals, both individually and as a couple. Essentially, it's a spiritual connection, a sense of being on the same wavelength. If that core grows, it will fuel a sustainable romantic connection. If that, if that core grows. And so it's not about what we've reduced it to as a moment or a feeling or a one-time connection. It's not about that. Not, not, not the way it was originally intended. That's not the way. It, and, and, and who's saying this? Who's saying this? The intelligentsia of the day. The psychologists who are dealing with it. So what, what is it that, that this, uh, this long-term sexual relationship within a, a heterosexual, lifelong partnership. What, what is it that it can do for us? Glad you asked. Let me show you. All right, here's what sex with a lifelong monogamous relationship will do. It will bond you closer. Think about this. Every time 
is a bonding closer and closer. But the opposite, hooking up, whatever you want to call it, the opposite is bonding and breaking, bonding and breaking, bonding and breaking, bonding and breaking. You see? But but sex inside of, of this lifelong partnership is bonding and bonding and bonding. You, you understand? I mean, this is the way it was created. It will create deeper intimacy for the exact same reasons. It's because you don't go there for a moment. You go there, and then you build on that. And, you build on, and you're not just building on it with a, a physical act. You're building on with all that other stuff he said on that previous screen. Because of all the other things that are going on in your relationship. Because of the dreams that you have, because of the passion that you have, because of, of the vision of what you want to see happening, because of the goals that you've set together, because of the, the battles and, and the wars that you have fought together. And all of that is building on it, and it's just making you more and more and more closer and more intimate. It'll be physically, mentally, and emotionally healthy. Again, read between the lines here. A monogamous relationship, lifelong monogamous relationship, is physically healthier than the alternative. A lifelong monogamous relationship is mentally healthier than the alternative. A lifelong monogamous relationship is emotionally healthier than the alternative. I mean, this is, this is one of those times you will say, well, duh, right? Right? But we don't act like it's a duh. I mean, in our culture today, and I'm talking to, I'm talking to us, we don't act like, well, it's a duh. Like, we don't understand. But there it is. We know this. It will feel safe. There's a safety that is there. You know, when you, when you are intimate with somebody sexually, when you are intimate with someone, you let down some walls. You open yourself up. And when that is for a momentary thing or when that is even for a short-lived thing, days, weeks, or months, you open yourself up to be vulnerable when that breaks and it is over, that relationship is over. You have opened yourself up for all kinds of things. And again, I'm going to be PG here, but let me, let, me, let me see if I can draw you a little bit of picture right here so you can draw, uh, connect the dots. It's like when I, when I was a kid, I remember always having to, you know, being raised in church, you know, and knowing that I, I can't think about that stuff. You know, I'd hear, I'd hear things in the high school locker room that I'd say, oh, I don't want to go listen to that. Guys talking about, you know, last weekend. I'll use the word conquest there, and I'll leave it with that, okay? But today, today's high school locker room is not somewhere where just a few guys are getting together. It's online. Yeah. Social media, where people are sharing the intimate details, sometimes in anger and, and, and malice because of the breakup. You, see, you, you understand... Y'all don't need me to go any deeper with that. You get it? You understand what I'm saying? It's a safer thing to be in a lifelong monogamous relationship. i got to hurry. And it will produce longevity. It will produce longevity. Let me, get, let me give you another quote. This is, uh, this is from Juliana French. She says, but what we found is that when prior to their marriage, one or both spouses hold generalized beliefs that uncommitted sex is okay, that can contribute to the failure of a marriage lady again she is not a preacher she is not a theologian she is a, a professor of psychology at Florida State University and you know what she says she says she says if you hold this view that uncommitted sex is okay it's going to be detrimental to your marriage possibly even fatal 
to your marriage. And not just the one you're in, but the one that you'll have down the road. And again, well, duh. We know that, don't we? But do we live like we know that? See, here's, here's, here's the message this morning. Here's the point this morning. Is that the church, where it's the Church of England, Church 2911, your church if you're a visitor this morning, the church hasn't rushed in to say, let's take away all the fun. But the church is saying, wait a minute, this is about best. This is best, and it's about best. And you are your own man. You are your own woman. You make your decisions, and you live with the results of those decisions. And what a great church will do is will point out what the potential results will be of those decisions to help you try and make the best decisions in your life. That's why I titled this sermon, This is Best. God's way is best. And, and I, I'm closing. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty much done. But I, I just want to just, just give you one little challenge if I can right here. Because this wasn't about the nuts and bolts. This wasn't like getting you know, into the R-rated and talking about all that kind of stuff. So you may be sitting here saying, well, I've still got a bunch of questions. I know you do. I know people have questions every Sunday when you finish a sermon. You're still going to have questions. There's no way I can share with you in a 30-minute 30, 30 PG-rated sermon everything you might need to know, right, or to answer everybody's questions. So here, let me encourage you. Please, let me plead with you. If you have questions, ask someone who matters in your life. Don't ask someone who's disconnected. Don't ask someone who doesn't know. Ask someone who matters in your life and who you matter to in their life. Ask someone who cares. Uh, I, I hope you believe that your pastor wants to be available to answer those kinds of questions. Text me. You know, catch me after service if you want to. You know, lady, you want to talk to my wife? Talk to, talk to someone who cares that you have the best life ever, who is, is somehow invested in you living this dream life that God has for you. Because too often, the messages we hear, not just about sex, but about everything, messages we hear, we're hearing from the wrong people. So let me challenge you to dig deeper, but to dig deeper in a safe place, always. You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer request by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.